This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Shin! Standing by. Complete. Heroes of the Internet. I'm Nathan. And I'm Robert. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high flying and high kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing the film Shin Ultraman. Hello once again, listeners. Yes, we're doing things a little bit differently here because this is a momentous episode for a momentous film. Yes, we're talking about a movie today. And with me as a guest, I don't know, is this the first time you've ever been on a podcast? Surely it's not. Well, there was Kaiju Kim at G-Fest when she did that final podcast episode with oh, well, the- she did the big uh, wrap-up live stream when yeah, you with you me yeah. and 10 other people <laughs> yeah that's kind of my first one i would yeah, say yeah yeah but this is robert montserrat the eternal hey, yeah. friend of daniel demana of the godzilla novelization project which you listeners of the internet have heard before danny's been on yeah. henchman a couple of times he's been on my other show the monster on film vault quite a bit mm-hmm yeah, always, always a great time. Yes. So tell the listeners with attitude. No, I said listeners with attitude. Wrong show, March Ad. Tell the heroes <laughs> of the internet a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm an artist and I'm a writer. I have a bunch of different little projects I'm kind of working on when I see fit. I also have a Twitter if you want to follow me there at Montserrat Robert, where I just kind of post my art. Right. And yeah, yeah you, you've done some work with Danny on a couple of projects. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. We did Project Kayama, which was a translation into English of an Italian edition, believe it or not, of the original novelization of Godzilla by Shigeru Kayama. Yeah, that so was you, made in 1954, and, yeah. Yeah, and you did the illustrations for it, correct? I translated and, well, co-translated with Dan. Yeah. He kind of cleaned up some of the stuff that I wrote and... I also did yes do the illustrations for like each chapter. All right, all right. So you've you've done a little, you've gotten a little bit involved in the kaiju and tokusatsu community. So yeah, yeah, and we Great. know each other because of Danny, and we've hung out at G Fest. Uh, I think at least a couple of times. Did you come in twenty nineteen? Yeah, that was the year you and he did that panel together, right? Yes. Our uh, was that our first. I think it might have it, it was, yeah. Uh, I mean, the first, first time yeah. you two were together on a Yeah, panel. yeah, that might have been. Well, was it? It's hard to keep track sometimes. <laughs> I thought it was, it was one uh, of the early Film Vault episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I hadn't started. The, yeah, that might have been our first because we did it on Sekizawa and Kimura, the screenwriters. Yeah, I got your screenwriters. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've known each other for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And first, I want us to talk about our experience seeing this movie so that's why things are going to be a little bit different just to let you know heroes of the internet the way we're going to do this is we're going to talk about our experience of seeing the movie and then we will give some non-spoilery thoughts on it 
And then we will get into the typical Henshin Men episode with a plot synopsis. And then we're it's full tilt spoilers at that point. So you have been warned. If you don't want to be spoiled, <laughs> once we get to the plot synopsis, stop listening. So, <laughs> so we saw this because I found out on Facebook that the Chicago International Film Festival was going to be screening this movie. Because you have to understand, this movie has been a little bit difficult for anybody in the United States to see. It has not received a wide release yet in any form, and it's only been shown at film festivals, and I think one convention. In fact, I, I believe the Chicago Film Festival was only the second time it had been screened in the United States. It had one showing in Canada at a film festival there. And it was shown at a, I believe it was another festival or a convention, I can't quite remember, over in New York City. Yeah, it could have sworn like the New York Comic Con or something. Yeah, something like that. So the, so the fact that it was here was a big deal. And it was being shown on two weekends in October, we went to the second showing because they only showed it once per weekend. We went to the most recent one over uh, this past weekend, which was October 23rd. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. October 23rd. And because <laughs> we were like, we can't miss this. I was trying to get a bunch of people to go and it was you and my brother. Because <laughs> yeah, my, my brother was... is my roommate. So yeah it was hard to you know just coordinate with people yeah so but i yeah. was like i'm seeing this come hecker high water yeah. yeah yeah we tried to get danny to go with us because you don't yeah. live far, far from danny no i don't i live pretty well like a few hours away by car i live in oh columbus he lives in you know up, up there yeah up there <laughs> so we determined that we would go i wanted to coordinate around your schedule i initially thought about going the weekend before and you're like but i'm going on the 23rd I'm like god ah, dang it so uh, i got tickets to the 23rd which was a, a sunday a sunday morning i my new church they have saturday evening services so in order to go guilt-free <laughs> my brother and i went to the saturday evening service and then we left early in the morning we drove you on the other hand uh, did yeah, potentially I well i don't know if it was a smarter move or not but <laughs> I mean, I got there relatively quickly. I flew in for the day and then I just, you know, flew back at like 6 p.m. So I just, it was pretty crazy. Like I had to wake up. I barely slept. I woke up at like 4.30 and got to the airport at around 5 and the flight was at 6. <sighs> yeah, it was very early and all I subsisted on for like the entire day until I got back to the airport at like 4 PM was just a slice of coffee cake from the Starbucks. Wow. <laughs> I know. And it was like 70 degree weather there too. So I was like wearing this hoodie with all my stuff in it and just going like, Oh man, <laughs> I was like tired, dehydrated. I had a headache. Oh man. But I do it all for Ultraman. <laughs> I do it all for Ultraman. That I'm going to have to meme that. <laughs> I do it all for Ultraman. <laughs> I love you, Ultraman. <laughs> I love you, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping to get some Grape Juice Plus there. Okay, there. That's for you, Danny. That's for you. 
I also got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. Anyway, so uh, how long did it take you to fly there? Oh, it's like an hour tops. An like hour? Okay. And then yeah. I'm, you caught a taxi to the theater? Yeah, I caught a taxi to the theater and then I Ubered back. So if if you if the flight left at 6, so that's 6 Eastern, right? Yeah, so I you, got there. So it was 6 when you got there because exactly. time yeah. zone change. Yeah. yeah. That's wibbly wobbly timey wimey. And then the movie was at 11, so you had five hours to kill. What did you even do? Oh, God. I actually think I listened to Growing Up With Godzilla in the airport. <laughs> Danny Winter's podcast. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> actually, part two of Dan's episode and then your episode. Hey! Yeah, go listen uh, Go listen to those people. Those were fun. I uh, Part two is actually coming out this week because <laughs> Donnie and I talked for so long he had to split it. So, oh, sweet. Yeah. It's just like Dan, but, you know, Dan is the most talkative introvert ever of all yeah. time so <laughs> yeah it's strange because i'm the one that kissed the blarney stone but i don't have the gift of gab but oh well <laughs> <laughs> funny how that works so that's what you were doing so you got a taxi over there well you got to the theater much sooner than my brother jared and i what time were you there i think i got there around 10 ish oh wait so you got 10, there way 10, early yeah i didn't know if it'd be packed or what so oh, we had a pretty good crowd I have to oh say. yeah it was totally a huge huge crowd huge turnout for this movie yeah. like I, whenever it gets here it's going to do gangbusters oh i'm sure i have opinions for why i think it'll do gangbusters but yeah it'll do well so mm-hmm. at what time did they let you into the screening room oh man pretty close to the movie showing maybe like 10 15 minutes early really huh. I well they were say... probably showing other things too because it's a film festival yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like there was a lot of people leaving the theater, like, after a movie when I got there. Yeah. But I think they were just specifically showing Shin Ultraman, at least in that one room. Right. Have you ever uh, been to a film festival before? I actually haven't. Us. I mean, I've been to 24-hour sci-fi marathons that my local theater used to have before the pandemic. That's the closest thing I've ever been to. Okay. Yeah, see, this, been to a few of those. I mean, I know that the, uh, all of the Pickwick showings for G-Fest are labeled a film festival. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. And then they have all the indie stuff that they screen downstairs in the hotel. Oh, yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, apparently. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I would quite quantify that. This felt like, a you know, this was a real deal. Oh, yeah, totally. They were having all kinds of stuff there. Yeah, and Shin Ultraman was part of, because we got to talk to the guy who organized it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, his, why can't I remember his name? I'm a terrible person. Oh, shoot, what is his name? Oh, I don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) Cool guy, though. Raul Benitez. Yes. Raul Benitez. So he organizes what is called the After Dark block for the film festival, which is all the genre stuff. When you yeah. say After Dark, I have completely different expectations for what that's supposed to be, but yeah. it wasn't exactly that. And, you know, we got to, like I said, we got to talk to him and he mentioned that he got to see Shinji Aguchi, the director, a couple weeks ago. He tried to get him to come there, but the man is so busy promoting this movie all over the world that he couldn't make it. Which is unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen him there. 
They did take a group photo of people wearing Ultraman shirts and holding up the posters, though. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay, I, yeah, because Ultraman Connection, I was wondering if they had anybody there, which is the big website that is really spearheading the expansion of Ultraman into the English-speaking world. And mm-hmm. I thought they would have a representative there. They said they tried, but they couldn't get anybody. But Ultraman Connection sent them a bunch of posters. So everybody who went in to see the movie got a poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would have got a poster, but I was like, this probably will be ruined once I get done with the whole day. <laughs> That's what happened to my brother's poster. He he got it wet. Oh, man. So why didn't you get another one? It's like, it wasn't in the boot. Okay, well, <laughs> I still have mine. That's the important part. I'll frame it and put it up on the wall. So speaking of my brother, Jared, and I, we got up around 7 o'clock Eastern, managed to get into the car about 8.15 after we had breakfast and got ready. Did a little bit of light packing. Took us three hours to get there. We mm. listened to Ultraman music the entire trip, as you do. As you do. <laughs> and then we made our first mistake of the day. I used the address that was on the website for this event, not realizing that that was for the office for Cinema Chicago that puts the film fu- the film festival together. Oh, no. <laughs> and which we got there about 1030 Realized it was a building and we couldn't get in. And I'd already put the car into a parking garage. And then my brother looked at the listings. We're supposed to go to the AMC. We're like, we are? Okay, good. How far is it? 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, man. We're going to have to hurry. And so that was mildly annoying, to say the least. I ended up getting charged $10 for 10 minutes of parking because this is Chicago. Wow. And they do stupid things like that. I'm like, come on. There should be like a thing where like if you're there for, I don't know, 10 minutes or less then they don't charge you yeah they should. it's not like you know go parking anywhere in a, a medium-sized city or whatever like oh okay this is not where i need to go you know that won't actually that's a you know mistakes like that don't cost you money in most places but in chicago they do i don't know how people survive in big cities <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. My my sister does okay. She lives in New York, but oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I couldn't either. But anyway, so we scramble back to the car, scramble to the AMC, and then we found a new place to park. And that, that ended up being the second big mistake of the day because I didn't realize because we were in such a hurry and, you know, small city kid here. I, I didn't realize you were supposed to take the ticket with you so you can get it punched and not get charged as much. Oh, man. Uh, so that drove me crazy. So I ended up paying more than I needed to. That sucks. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. But anyway, all that to say, after you know, all that went down, we barely got there in time. We got our tickets. We got into the theater. And then we had, let's talk about this briefly. Oh, because yeah. it what we were we ended up basically making a three hour commitment or at least two and a half two and a half three hour commitment to this because mm-hmm. shit Ultraman was not the only thing we got to see. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they screened two episodes of mm-hmm. the show beforehand. Yeah. Oh, I forget the first one. It was the one with Dada. Dada. Yeah, the specimens number five and six. Yeah, and, and then a the- gift from the sky with Skydon. Good old Skydon. That's one of yes. my favorites. Skydon, which features the infamous line, aim for its butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've also seen it translated as aim for its anus. Hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, man. I would be curious why those two episodes were selected, because neither of those monsters were in the movie. Yeah, that's curious. I, I don't know. Maybe they just really liked them or something. Uh, maybe I, they I, just thought they were good, rep, good, just nice, typical representations of the show at its best, I suppose. Because it's yeah. those were both from a little bit later in the show's run. They had completely refined the Ultraman suit. That you know, because they had, if you look at yeah. the early episodes, Ultraman looked a little bit different because they were still ironing out kinks in the suit's design. And that right. by that point, they had settled into one. Yeah, it was great seeing those episodes up on the big screen. Skydon is just that whole episode is just hilarious. Oh, like, it's it's ridiculous. We could do a whole episode just on those. Yeah, it's a brilliant parody of the whole format of the show. Yeah, because it has like three false endings. Yeah, three false endings. Yeah. Yep. It's 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 just that one's just bonkers. I will say though, I was a little concerned during the Dada episode because people were laughing at what I thought were inappropriate times. I'm like, please don't be that kind of crowd. Please yeah. don't be the kind of crowd who's like, I'm just here because I don't, even though I know nothing about Ultraman and I'm going to laugh at it when I shouldn't. I'm like, please just yeah. don't be that. Like it reminds me of when I was in high school and Rialto pictures had licensed G 54 in the States for like, well, the first time I'd ever seen it. And I went to go see it at our local Wexner Center in Columbus and everybody was laughing at it then and that was pretty crazy. Like whenever I see G fifty G fifty four in a theater I get like nom flashbacks. Oh jeez. <laughs> you PTSD a little bit. Yeah, did I'm you like, see it at G Fest? Did you see it at G Fest this year? I don't know if I did, but I've seen it at previous times at G Fest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People were much more respectful. Well, I'd expect <laughs> that from G Fest, of course. Of course, of course. So I was a little concerned with that. And they were laughing at the special effects. I'm like, we get it. It's quaint. Or sometimes they would kind of laugh at some of the performances. Like, it was the 60s. It's supposed to be a little melodramatic. Okay? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Especially with Skydon, it's like they're in on the joke, you know? Well, uh, Skydon, they were laughing at the right points because the whole episode's funny. Yeah. But Dada is meant to be scary. Yeah, and I think that was maybe that's why they selected those episodes is because the Dada episode is real is really scary, and then the Skydon episode is just laugh out loud self parody, basically. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that they didn't have ones that were more relevant to the actual plot of the movie. It yeah, was... but I will say this: this does show that the restorations made to those episodes are incredible because they did look good on the big oh, screen. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it was shut. Yes. Yeah, and my honestly, my my big issue with watching them on the big screen because obviously these were meant for television and not for movie theaters. The issue I was running into was not so much the special effects; it was the fact that this is 1960s TV, so it loves close-ups. Yeah. So it's, it's so we have to see the characters' faces blown up on the screen. And you have to yeah. understand why well, my brother and I, since we got there barely in time, we were ushered, literally ushered to the front row. You got to sit yeah. in the middle. I, I saw you like walk in, I think. I was yeah. like, hey, you made it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you were sitting in the middle someplace. I wanted to find you, but we had to be ushered. So we're sitting yeah. in the front row. So I'm like, I don't need to see Fuji's face that big. I get it. She's pretty. She's <laughs> 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 like, I was just right there. So that, that was my main thing. and But it was fun because I hadn't seen the original Ultraman in a hot minute. Yeah, same. I need to go back to it again. I yeah. remember watching it like 
getting those old DVDs in like 2015 and just marathoning the whole thing. Oh, I did the same thing. I have the Mill Creek set, but since I've already seen it, I I watched Ultra Q and then jumped to Ultra 7. So, so like I said, seeing those was fun, and I'm glad that they showed those. I think that was a very appropriate thing to do. So that way, for those who are going into this just out of sheer curiosity, perhaps, they get a little bit of a taste of what the show, what the source material was originally like. Yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, <laughs> like a little mint on your pillow or something. Yeah, something like that. Or a nice appetizer to a very nice meal or something like that's, that. That's a better one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. maybe that's a better one. All right, so now, Robert, let's give our, well, I guess I could tell, talk really brief, because uh, we hung out for a little bit after the movie. You talked about mm-hmm. flying back. Uh, yeah. I guess you just hung out at the airport before you flew back. Yeah, it didn't feel very long, surprisingly, until my flight actually started boarding. I was like, oh, time flies. Okay. Right. I just had a little sandwich and things, and right. that made me feel a little better because I had a headache watching that whole movie. Oh, I mean, I'm so sorry. The movie was great. Uh, I just, I was like, I just hope I remember everything because yeah. I'm so but I right. was like, that's why I took notes while watching it. I, you know, they I had a Google Doc open, making yeah. sure that the brightness on my phone was down as far as it could go, and it was in Do Not Disturb, so it wasn't ringing. So I'm like, I'm taking notes. Don't hate me. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, my brother and I, we had to drive back, obviously, and we made a little pit stop to see my friend Beck. Shout out to Bex of Redeemed Otaku. She, okay. I was trying to get her and her husband to join us that day. They mm-hmm. ended up not being able to come because they both had to work. So uh, Jared and I decided to stop by and bug her at work. She runs a GNC. Mm. So, you know, we stopped by and talked with her for a little bit. She gave us cookies, okay. which was much appreciated. Some homemade oh, nice. chocolate okay. chip cookies. And they were wonderful. And so we had a good time chatting with her. And then we drove the rest of the way home. Okay. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. So. With all of that out of the way, let's give everybody, as promised, some non-spoilery thoughts on the movie, and then plot synopsis, and it's all fair game. Now, I did write a blog post about this whole experience for Kaijurama Magazine. Still waiting for it to get posted as of this recording, Brandon. Travis. Brandon. Brandon. So, hopefully that'll be up soon. But... Robert, for you, non-spoiler, thoughts on the film? Oh, I'd say it was flawless. I mean, just as good as Shin Godzilla, I'd say. Different, but very well done. And the effects, you know, were gorgeous. Combination of miniatures, but also the latest tech. Right, right. And it was was a lot of mocap. And you know what's funny? I found out... That because I I heard that Ben Faruya, the original suit actor for Ultraman, did some of the mocap. Met the guy at All Monsters Attack. You were there with us, right? For All Monsters, yeah, was, yeah, you yeah. were there, yeah. So we got to meet him then, and the man is still as spry as ever. I think he's in his seventies at this point. So mm-hmm. uh, might be older than that even. Hmm. Best dressed guy you'll ever see. You know, oh, I, totally always for yeah, I have I po- I did a little recap episode with Michael Hamilton about that weekend. So you know, go give that a listen. It's on this feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I heard that he did some of the mocap. You know who else did mocap for Ultraman? 
I think I do. Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno, the producer, the screenwriter, and the previous director on Shin Godzilla with Shinji Higuchi, who's given director credit for this one. I was like, really? He did that? You want to talk about getting involved? I mean, good Lord. Mm. (laughs) So let that sink in, people, when you watch the movie. That's Ben Furuya and Hideaki Anno. Because Anno was kind of crazy like that. Yeah, I remember watching the series of videos that Monstrosities did on Shin Ultraman, and they said they actually took, like, body scans of uh, Ben Furuya for the Ultraman model. Yeah, and they did use a slightly different design. They were yeah. using one that, it was, I can't remember the artist's name, but he he did oh, uh, the... Oh, Narita. Okay, told you. Narita. I have yeah, because he did a design sketch for Ultraman that did have a color timer. They ended up not using it. And that all, apparently that always upset him. So for this movie, they're like, we're going to use that version you know, yeah. to pay homage to him, which I think was really cool of them. Yeah, now, it was. it's a spoiler, but that doesn't mean that Ultraman doesn't have to worry about running out of energy or a timer or anything. The, the three minute thing is not there. The color timer is not there, but he can't just do stuff forever. Yeah, there's something there. There's something there, <laughs> but that's a spoiler. Small Those- one, but a spoiler. <laughs> But it's hard to talk about without getting into spoilers, I I have to admit. Yeah. I do agree. The effects are pretty good. I would not call them Hollywood good, but they're better than, say, like, She-Hulk. Mm. She-Hulk kind of sucks in a lot of ways, people. And <laughs> But try to temper your expectations. They do look better than they did in that first trailer, I remember people being like, oh my gosh, the effects look terrible. I'm like, you know, the movie's not done, right? <laughs> this, is just yeah. a first, this is just a teaser trailer. And I mean, it's not like a Hollywood budget even. I yeah, mean, for sure. Yeah, they don't have the money like that to throw. I, I thought on the whole, they were pretty good though. I mean, you know, they were like Shin Godzilla level and there are shots that are just gorgeous sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. The cinematography, I think, is what really helps with this one. And there's the weird cinematography people uh, characters the human characters in particular shot from really weird angles yeah i remember when shin godzilla came out somebody said you know that ano he knows how to shoot a room (laughs) (laughs) yeah angles yeah yeah which might be a nod to jisoji who was a an art film director who worked on a lot of superaya's early stuff most notably ultraman makes sense yeah possibly i don't know it could just be the fact that it's the same people who made Shin Godzilla just being weird. I mean, because there's a lot of similarities here. The SSSP in this is very similar to the, what was it, Nerds and Troublemakers that Yaguchi had? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded um, me a lot of that. The dialogue is very similar. It's very dense, but rapid fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming at you all the time. It Now, it doesn't have three layers of subtitles <laughs> like no, Shin Godzilla I did know. at points. I think the most it had was two. But it didn't last yeah. very long. Yeah, they were still pretty rapid fire. I remember when, I mean, I guess because I had a headache, I was like, am I reading this fast enough before these things disappear? I was like, but I got most of it, of course. But I was like, I just thought, you know, I hope that I'm reading this well. Right, right. So, so, so there, like I said, if you liked the style of Shin Godzilla, you'll find a lot to like here. If you didn't like the style of Shin Godzilla, it doesn't go as far with it this time around but it's still there you know like there's still some 
political satire, not nearly to the extent that Shin Godzilla had it, but it's still yeah. there. There's still some political satire about bureaucracy and things like that. The big difference is Shin Godzilla was all about the government not responding to a crisis, and this one is about an organization that is responding to a crisis very quickly and dealing with things. I mean, we had that, and this isn't a spoiler because it's the beginning of the movie, and then Supro just put it up on their YouTube channel, but the, mm -hmm. the opening for the movie oh, is a yeah. is an ultra Q tribute with a bunch of with a bunch of ultra Q monsters and it was just exposition saying hey the monsters have been running rampant in the world and then they made the uh, the, Jap the Japanese government made the SSSP to deal with it and they've been beating some of them but they just keep coming yeah oh god i love that sequence oh yeah part of that sequence won one of the awards for me so <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah which almost made me wish we could get a shin ultra Q but you know this is Oh, this, I'd love that. This is probably enough. <laughs> yeah. This is I probably guess. enough. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But I mean, we Ultra Q. I guess that's close enough. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. And th the, the characters are a little bit similar to what we had in Shin Godzilla. The, I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, I should remember because she was also part of the awards for me. What was it? Oh, oh what was her name? Uh, you mean? Yeah, it began with an A. Asami. Asami yeah. is newly assigned, a new recruit for the SSSP. She has some mm -hmm. very weird character quirks that might qualify as a, a spoilery, but we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. And she reminded me a lot of Keiko and Patterson. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. You know, kind of the low getter type. Yeah, which is very much in, in keeping with Shin Godzilla because the SSSP is made up of a bunch of young go get em Japanese people who were bucking against the old guard a little bit. The, yeah. it, it's just not the main focus like it was in Shin Godzilla. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're so yeah. efficient. Again, we could get spoilery about it. This is not spoilery. They end up taking on, I counted it, there's five. Five. Yeah. Once you get past the prologue, people, let this sink in. There were five Ultra Kaiju and Seijin yeah in this movie that's how efficient they are now yes they're getting help from ultraman but they still go through about five of them because you had the, these ones are not spoilers because they were in the trailer so yeah, we had naranga gabora yeah. mephilus mm -hmm. yes mephilus is in this you had to pay attention to the trailer to see that but mephilus is in this mm -hmm. and then we had zareb who's also in the trailer so that's not a spoiler the last one's a spoiler <laughs> which we can't get into. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, so there's five of them. That's how efficient they are. They they burn through them, which yeah. makes the structure of the script a little bit weird, and we'll get into that, I think, in the, in the spoiler section a little bit more. But it does kind of feel like a series of, epi of interconnected episodes of a television show. Yeah, it does. I think I said when I was there, kind of like a greatest hits compilation a little bit. A little bit, and it took me a little while to get used to that. I don't mm -hmm. think it was until about an hour in that I realized, oh, I think I know what they're doing, because it's not a traditional script structure with an inciting, necessarily anyway, with exposition, inciting incident, conflict and resolution and all that. Now, we get some of that, but the main threat keeps changing Yeah, yeah. throughout the entire movie. Now, each one of them dovetails into the next, but yeah. you have to get used to it. And I've heard some people complain who have seen the film that it makes the movie unfocused. 
Mm. I don't know if it's unfocused because everything just dovetails to the next thing pretty well. What did you mm-hmm. think? It didn't bother me that, you know, it was semi-episodic. I thought it was a fine film. I mean, I just took it for what it was, I guess. Right, right. Another thing that I would say connects this back to Shin Godzilla and why I think the next movie in this trilogy, so to speak, which is Shin Kamen Rider, which Travis mm-hmm. and I have talked about before because we talked about the trailer. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the trailer for Shin Ultraman as well, so I'm making sure to keep a promise to the <laughs> to the listeners here, to the heroes of the right. internet. But I'm very curious to see, uh, to see what Shin Kamen Rider is going to be like because I think I've kind of figured out what this loosely connected anthology trilogy is doing. This yeah. is taking a popular Japanese franchise back to its roots in an off-kilter fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. That is what it is. Yeah, which is why a title like Shin is very appropriate because Shin in Japanese can be translated a couple different ways. Most notably, it can be translated as either new or true. Yeah, or or even God or like evolved or things like that. I think I've read elsewhere. Right. Ano right. loves multiple meanings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that, that is a very Ano thing. But the uh, but if we just focus on new and true, that's very descriptive. We are getting something new, but it's very much the essence of the thing. But it's done in such a weird way that some people don't quite know what to do with it. Shin Godzilla was very much Godzilla fifty four, but really weird and modern. Shin Ultraman yeah. is very much the 1966 show, but a little weird and very modern. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I remember, well, watching Monstrosities again. They talked about how... We love Monstrosities here. Thank you, Matt, for yeah. everything that you do for us. Very much so. Thank you. Yes. He mentioned that the challenge was how to update the worldview of the original Ultraman, you know, kind of this big positive energy kind of thing, but put it in today's world. You know, it made me think of like Richard Donner's Superman a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think think that's a fair comparison because it would have been easy, I think, to, particularly if you gave this to the wrong filmmakers. Yeah. You could have made this very cynical. Yeah. Which is been a major complaint with a lot of american superhero movies particularly if in the dc camp because they're like stop making these characters so dark and cynical that's just not working for us it's not what we want sometimes literally the movies are very gray uh, yeah yeah that's very that is true <laughs> so it would have it could have been possible to do that but they didn't go that route and i think the movie is all the better for it because as a franchise Ultraman is very uncynical, even when it's really dark, because I've seen some dark Ultraman. (laughs) Oh, totally. Even in the Sky Dawn episode in the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, that one, that one was, well, or do you mean Dada? No, no, the Sky Sky Dawn. Okay. And the guy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah. For an episode that's really funny, you have the guy who just. So the guy was just talking about it. Sometimes things fall from the sky. That's supposed to be because Skydon's a space monster. And then he said, mm-hmm. sometimes things fall from the sky. You don't want to fall from the sky. And it literally has a guy jumping off a building to kill himself. I'm like, what are you doing? I know, it was like, at least they cut away, but like, damn. I was like, what the heck? I forgot about that part, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, I'm talking about like, you know, like Ultraman the Next or Ultraman Nexus. Those are both incredibly dark. 
Yeah, they but, are. But as dark as they are, they're still uncynical. They're still hopeful. It's all about yeah. beating the darkness and overcoming it. That's mm-hmm. what it's ultimately about. So that's, I think, about as far as you want to go with something like yeah. Ultraman. I would say the same thing is true of Superman. You want to make a quote-unquote dark, gritty Superman movie? Fine. Put him in a really dark situation, but let Superman be Superman. Right. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Force him to be the light in the darkness. That's what he has. That's why I would say, like, Captain America the Winter Soldier worked as well as it did. You had the very uncynical, old-fashioned Captain America yeah. in a cynical, modern world going up against a foe that is very much of the modern world and he has to deal with it. And that's why I love the winter soldier so much. Mm -hmm. That's how you take a character like that, like a captain America, like a Superman, perhaps even an Ultraman, And you do that with them. So uh, that is a very good point. The other thing to know, and this, this again, this is not a spoiler. And I was a little surprised that they did this Mm -hmm. because at least with Shin, with Shin Godzilla, you don't necessarily have, are you're not necessarily required to bring back any characters, except maybe yeah. some ones that people really know. If you wanted to do that, mm-hmm. they did, they decided not to go that route. We don't have Ogata from the original movie, or the girl, or any of the right. Doctor Sarazawa or Doctor Yamane. We don't have any of them. Yeah, but Ultraman has a set cast. It does. But they don't have those characters here, per se. Yeah, not really. I mean, I guess maybe some similar archetypes, but... Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're basically the same archetypes, but they're not the same characters, which I thought was an interesting choice because it's not Shin Hayata as Ultraman in this. His name is actually Shinji, believe it or not. (laughs) So it's the second time that Shinji Aguchi's been involved in something where a character gets named after him, the other one being the Genesis Evangelion, although I don't know if I would be overjoyed to be the name of the inspiration for the name of Shinji Akari. Yeah. You got a point there. (laughs) Yeah. But no, Shinji Kaminaga. He was played by Takumi Saito, who was in Shin Godzilla, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, There were a few guys I recognize. like, Oh, I know that face. Yeah. There's several actors who come back like the uh, Takumi Saito, who gets to be Ultraman, the Ultraman host in this. He was a tank driver in, Shin Godzilla. The crazy one, well, that's kind of spoilery. No, it's yeah, not. Well, I, is it spoilery? There's, there's one that I kind of want to mention when we get into spoilers. Yeah, but. we'll save that for spoilers because that one gets into some kind of weird territory that's like, wait a minute, are these movies actually connected? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, yeah, looking at my article, that's basically the highlights that I had. You know, yeah. Non-spoilery, so... If you've got nothing else, this I, is your final warning, heroes of the internet. If you don't want to be spoiled, even if we are, as far as I could tell. One of the first English language toku and kaiju podcasts to talk about this movie. This is your final warning. Go see the movie somehow. Preferably legally. Yeah, preferably. Preferably <laughs> legally. Go see it at if there's a film festival or something, or if it gets a release thanks to the exchange. That's the U.S. distributor, which our friend Raul said he knows about it, but he doesn't know what's going to happen or what it's going to look like. Whatever. You owe it to yourselves to see this movie. This is why the title of the episode is Ultra Mandatory. Yeah. For sure. All right. And here we go. 
Shin Ultraman. As giant kaiju appear in Japan and ravage it, the Japanese government passes the S Class Species Suppression Protocol and creates a task force to enforce it called the SSSP. During one battle with the monster, a mysterious silver giant codenamed Ultraman appears to kill the creature. Who is this superhero from the stars, and can he be trusted? These questions and more plague the SSSP as more kaiju and aliens, including Ultraman's own people, set their sights on conquering or destroying Earth. All right, Robert, everything's up for grabs. What do you got? <laughs> well,. I guess since we're getting into spoilers, well, like I said, the whole movie was great. <laughs> I guess, well, if you're expecting Kaiju to be in the entire film, they're in roughly the film's first half, and then the rest of the picture focuses on the aliens. Yes. We mentioned the ones that are in the trailer, some more okay, than yeah. others. Here's the other one that shows up. Zeton. Zeton. <laughs> Although this is easily the most radically reimagined out of all of them. Because oh, yeah. Zeton in the show is this weird alien being who famously defeats Ultraman in the yeah. final episode. In this, he is a cosmically huge orbital super weapon. He's basically a satellite of doom. Yeah, the design was so intricate for Zeton, like... I, I looked at the concept art books and just the way he like unfolds and everything as they set him up. It's like, just wow. The animators must've spent some time on that guy. Oh, I bet they did. But he, he is gigantic. He looks huge. You can see him from orbit in, in some of the shots. And when Ultraman flies up to fight him, mm -hmm. he looks like a, a person next to Ultraman, like a human next to Ultraman. It is right. that, just to put that into perspective. So like I said, cosmically huge i was getting some lovecraftian vibes from <laughs> zeton in this yeah in my notes i wrote about the film giant god warrior appears in tokyo which i think was also made by ano ano, and Hugu. yes it was oh, by ano okay there was in that little short film there was the god warrior who was flying in the sky with his arms out kind of like a cross type shape exactly like zeton in this movie oh yeah and see him from the sky because he was so huge see him in the sky i mean and i was just like you know it can make me think of that old george lucas quote it's like poetry it rhymes but in a good way yeah for <laughs> sure so that was nuts so yeah here's the other thing yeah i will say i feel like it's kind of funny we're kind of starting at the end but you know this is where the spoilers are good a lot of the spoilers are going to be mm -hmm. if you go into this expecting a huge actiony finale in this movie you would be disappointed but i yeah. but i figured how is ultraman supposed to have a big fight with this he tries and zeton just brushes it all off like it's nothing like ultraman keeps trying to do his energy buzz saws and zeton says no it doesn't even yeah. phase it yeah yeah and then they had to figure out a kind of cockamamie way that they could defeat him and it involved yeah. you know, helping Shinji out as Ultraman. And then he just basically flies through Zeton. 
<laughs> and then it turns yeah. into 2001 A Space Odyssey for about two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Creates a black hole and it. it's like Zin Zeton and Ultraman, although he does try to fly away. Yeah, he gets visited by Zafi at the Yeah, end. yeah, yeah. But that but that's the finale. That's your finale. That it's is the finale. Fly yeah. up, two thousand one swirls, and then it's over, and then there's an ending conversation. We have our denouement. Yeah, personally I thought, you know, how could they top most of the fights they already did in the movie? Right, right, right. right. Cause we had a fight with Narango, we had a fight with Gabora, we had a fight with Zareb, and we had a fight with Mephilus. Right. And I thought I thought Mephilus was gonna be the final boss. Yeah, it he seemed like that. Yeah, yeah, because they were setting up because he basically shows up in a human guise, quoting right. a, a lot of some would say cliches. Saying like that, that's one of my favorite sayings. That is one of my least favorite sayings. That was the joke with him. He would quote, yeah. quote all these old proverbs or it old sayings or whatever, and say whether or not they were his least favorite or favorite. <laughs> and he basically said, "Oh, I've been the mastermind this whole time." Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm the reason why the, well, I don't think he, he didn't necessarily take credit for the Kaiju, but he took yeah. credit for Zareb. Yeah. He said he was the first alien to have visited earth. Right. Right. Cause they were, uh, each Kaiju and alien would get a number. He's like, I'm number zero. I was the first one here. Right. And I like what they did with it because in the show he was doing basically the same thing. He was deceiving people. He, his name right. Mephilus comes from Mephistopheles from Faust. So yeah. he's basically a devil figure. I didn't know that that was actually inspired by Mephistopheles. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. Similar, yeah. Yeah. So he said like, oh yeah, Zareb works for me. And we find out that the ultimate plot of this whole thing is, and I actually really like this evil plot, if you want to call it an evil plot, yeah, is me too. he said, basically what he was trying to do is he figured out, because we do have the beta capsule in this, mm-hmm. and we find out that the beta capsule is just one example of that kind of technology. And they have figured out that they could basically weaponize humans. They yeah, can use I mean, the beta because he yeah. has the wasn't the beta capsule. It was the beta box. Yeah, like in a briefcase or something, right? Yeah. Well, no, it was like it looked. It was about the size of a refrigerator. Or like a drone. Yeah. Like, which, yeah. 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 It was, it was like, like a refrigerator. refrigerator. And the bigger it is, the more powerful it is, and the crazier things it can do. As we will find out in the awards, because something happens in this movie I was not prepared for. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers: Attack of the Fifty Meter Woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my gosh so he basically figures out we can use this technology to turn humans into these giants yeah he's basically saying we can make we can basically harvest super soldiers from here mm-hmm. and that was his whole plot because he needed humans to need this which is why the kaiju were running around doing stuff that's why he had zareb doing what he was doing because he needed the humans because he said you the humans wouldn't be willing to go along with it normally but the yeah. kaiju are running amok, so they need something to help them, to give them an edge. And then he had Zareb running around deceiving people, because that was what yeah. he did. And I really love the. We'll get to Zareb in a little bit. I love the design of Zareb. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But so Zareb is masquerading as Ultraman, like he did in the show. And in order to scare the humans even more, to make them dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. So that they need this technology to give themselves an edge or whatever. And then he can basically just start harvesting the humans and selling them as super weapons. Yeah. It, it's weirdly complicated, but also very simple at the same time. Yeah. I thought it was very creative. I liked it. Yeah. So there's a big fight with Mephilus after this all 
comes about and he uses the beta box because he looks human. He uses the beta box on himself and then we get the Mephilus that we know from the show. Uh-huh. And then he has a big brawl with Ultraman. And the funny thing is, is I wasn't even sure that that was even the best fight scene in the movie, especially since it just ends with Mephilus saying, this planet's not worth killing you for, Ultraman. And he just yeah, leaves. Because, yeah, because he sees Zofi behind them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he does. And I'm just like, yeah. what was so that like- all about? I mean, there was some cool choreography in it, which we'll talk a little bit uh, about in the awards. But like, wait uh-huh. a minute. I was checking. I was looking at my phone because I'm still taking notes. I'm like, how much movie do we have left? We have like 30, 40 minutes left. What are we going to do? <laughs> what's, gonna, what's going on? That was the moment. I mentioned it before in the non-spoiler section. That was the moment I realized this script is doing something different. <laughs> yeah. This is not a traditional structure because I think anybody else probably would have ended it with Mephilus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love when, you know, things are a little bit subverted. Yeah. You don't want to subvert too much because that might no, turn the much. audience against what you're doing. But, you know, a little zing here and there is a little bit kind of good. For sure. And then we get to, there's a couple of things. You know what? Before I get to what I think might be the stuff that might turn people against this movie, because there is some radical reimagining. We already talked yeah. about Zeton. How you know he's this massive orbital weapon? What we didn't say is the Ultras created. Oh Zeta. yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. That might turn some. I, I knowing how fan bases are, that might turn some people off to the movie. Might, but let's talk a little bit about the you know the monsters that we do have here. So I think okay. which of the five was your personal favorite? You mean like the ones from the beginning sequence included? No, 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 no. no. Uh, or, excluding the prologue. The main ones that Ultraman I guess I really like the fight with Gabora was really good. The Gabora fight might be my favorite out of the bunch. Yeah. Well, no, it might be the Zareb fight, actually. Uh, Gabora, the-, the Gabora fight's probably my second. Yeah. I thought it was really creatively done. Now he had like the two things on his back mm-hmm. that were like popping him up or whatever. Mm-hmm. The big drill. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the covering on his face, which is from the show, they yeah. reimagined as a drill in this. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I was, like I said, Monstrosities again. You guys got to watch Monstrosities if you're not already Monstrosities there. vlog on YouTube. Yes, they talked about how with Naranga and Gabora and even in the beginning, Ultra Q sequence, they had Pagos. Uh-huh. They were trying to do the same kind of cost cutting with the CG models that they did with the suits with Baragon in the original, because like Pagos and Gabora and Naranga were all originally the Baragon suit, for example. So it was that same idea, but the CG models each had their own little difference. So I ended up not really saving money in the long run, but I just thought that was an interesting bit of trivia. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's Shin Gomez, which we'll talk about in the awards. Which we will talk about. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, my, that was I, kind of a, maybe a little too on the nose gag, but it was maybe, cool. Maybe, but I still liked it. But I thought it was clever. But Zareb fascinated me. First off, there's just some wild shots of Zareb in this. He was seemed like a bit of a mastermind as well. I thought it was like, okay, Zareb's the guy who's doing everything. Oh, it's actually Mephilus because, you know, we have Mephilus, the deceiver of the deceiver. <laughs> mm-hmm. I liked and, how Zareb was rocking the fedora in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, he, dude, he was wearing a coat and hat at this way. It's like he's got his wardrobe from the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> 
Cowabunga, dudes. Yeah, cowabunga, Ultraman. Ugh. <laughs> I'm manipulating the humans. It's great. Where's my pizza? <laughs> right. I don't eat, but I need a pizza. Yeah. I also like the shots where he and Shinji are sitting in the car yeah. together. And he says, oh, uh, I know you're Ultraman. Yeah. You know I'm Ultraman? And then he pulls a gun on him. He's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, puts him to sleep. And Yeah. Well, the wildest part for me is when you get to the end and Zareb gets uh, gigantic because he was masquerading as Ultraman. Heck, we get to see Ultraman fight the military for a hot minute. Yeah. That was nuts. I'm not used to that. And no, yeah. that almost got an award on its own. But th- the thing that fascinated me is we find out that, especially when he's huge and he's flying in the air fighting Ultraman, mm-hmm. he's a facade. Right. Because he looks like we kind of see it. We get to see him from the back finally. And he looks like he's a cardboard cutout that's kind of shaped into, you know, shaped three dimensionally. He's not flat, but he's kind of, he, he's empty on the back. He literally, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he looks hollow, which is so nuts. Yeah, I thought that was an amazing effect. It's an amazing effect, and I think it works thematically because that means you know Zareb is hollow. He's a deceiver. He has nothing to offer. <laughs> he pretends to be other people. Yeah, he has nothing inside of himself. If you want to get all uh, English majory about it, but so mm-hmm. that so that I was like, my gosh, because that's not the original suit. Now, obviously, they had a full suit three-dimensional yeah. sh- suit in the other one. But in this one, again, they are taking advantage of the modern special effects techniques and doing things that they wouldn't have been able to do back then. Mm-hmm. There's no way they could have done a monster like that in the 60s. Heck, I don't even think they could do that with modern suitmation, really. Yeah, I, I don't know if they could. So they, I thought I thought that was amazingly creative right there. Yeah, yeah I just... Thought, yeah, the designs of the aliens were just great. And I like how they kind of updated Mephilus, for example, too. Made him a little more surreal looking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good Lord, that scene where he's just talking with Ultraman on the swings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, hi, Ultraman. You think you're really going to stop me? Because you can't really stop me. I was just like, I feel like I've seen movies like this before with someone talking to the devil and the devil is this guy in a nice suit who's just hanging out being a jovial fella and telling the hero just like, hey, I own you or something like that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and then they kind of outsmart him a little bit, which is what you do. You know, in some Mm -hmm. versions of Faust, you outsmart the devil and he's like, I don't like this. You're disappointing me. Why are you doing this? (laughs) <laughs> and then he's like you know what i'll just use the box on myself and take you out <laughs> right. so there's a lot of really interesting things going on but well okay let's talk about the characters a little bit here so we have yes. a sami archaico and patterson of this movie yes. <laughs> who has a really weird quirk that at least one person i know did not like mm-hmm. she likes to grab or slap people's butts. I think including it, her own. Like, it's like how she psychs herself yeah, out. In the beginning scene, she grabs her own. That's right. <laughs> it's her way of psyching herself out. And I'm like, I don't see this as, like, crude or... I mean, it's rude for sure. But I think it's it's meant to be that. Because she is one of these young upstart people who is not really paying much heed to, you know, tra- traditional 
forms of politeness, I guess. And she's just yeah. psyching herself out. And then she just does that to people because, you know, she thinks that's the thing to do. I mean, come on. If you watch sports teams, sports players, they slap each other on the butt all the time. It's just, you know, it's right. how they psych, you psych each other out. It's not meant to be this perverted thing. But, no. you know, so the fact that she does it, I don't think it's meant to be like sexual harassment or something. She just thinks that, you know, that's how she psychs herself up. So she does it to other people like a sports team. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to interpret it. That's I didn't think it was supposed to be like anything overly disturbing or anything, certainly. Right, right, right. And it made my nerdy little heart sing with joy when we found out that one of the members of the team is such an uber nerd that he has collectibles in his office, but yes. not Japanese collectibles. That was the really surprising part. It wasn't Japanese collectibles. This man has a model of the Enterprise in oh, his yeah, office. Cool. And I'm like, you are my new favorite character. <laughs> yeah, that thing was amazing. <laughs> I was just I was like, wow, you put that together? Man. I was like, yes, that made me so, so very happy. And then, like I said, a lot of those scenes are, you know, again, very Shin Godzilla-esque. They even used a music cue from Shin Godzilla in this. Oh, yeah, they did. And was it the... Uh, yeah they did that the well it was the it was the mellow track it was right at the beginning yeah I, that's the one i'm thinking of anyway yeah yeah so yeah so, so that was again that was very cool so mm -hmm. oh, man i was just looking over my notes i'm like what else can we talk about that we couldn't have talked about had, before uh, oh well we, we we didn't talk about this we should talk about again thank you matt from monstrosities for making yes. us aware of this, but how they did the specium beam in this, or the space? Oh, yeah. No, they said spacium beam. It's spacium one thirty three. They actually, I love there. There was a scene they're talking to Zareb and they're trying to actually explain all of the fantastical things that the ultras can do that we've just taken for granted. Mm -hmm. And they're basically just attributing it to the spacium one thirty three energy because it just does lots of cool things. They're like, how do you do this? Well, the spacium energy does such and such and manipulates time and space. Blah blah blah. And they're like, how do you merge with a human and then get huge? And it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like the one thing is like, I don't know. Hand wavery. <laughs> don't you know? I, we don't know. We're moving on. Yeah, the interesting thing about the spacium beam is that, again, I heard this from Monstrosities, the animator of the original beam from the original Ultraman show, it's the same guy doing that beam in this movie. Right, yeah, because it was hand-drawn in the original show, so they kind of recreate that a little bit here. It has very much the same look. They use a lot of the old sound effects, a lot of the old music. Again, that's a very, style, a very similar stylistic thing that Shin Godzilla was doing. Mm -hmm. I know I remember hearing some people complain that it's like, yeah, but they didn't change it up to be 5.1 surround like a movie. It still sounds mono. I think that might be another complaint people might have with these. So like, why do these sound effects sound so old? Why does this oh, music sound so old? <laughs> I love the old sound of the explosions, like from Inshin Godzilla when he was about to Did use you say Henshin Godzilla? <laughs> I busted the spoke. I, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Continue. In Shin Godzilla, like you see it in the beginning of one of the American trailer for Shin, where um, he's attacking the city, and you hear, and it sounds like the old explosions from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla seven. Right, right, right. Like, and the they do this. They do the same thing here with the old sound effects, especially for things like the Spacium Beam. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like, that. and I really, I really like that. Some people might be taken out of it. They might think it sounds too old fashioned. But here's the thing: even in the television shows, they still use 
the old sound effects. Mm-hmm. Now, they only use them for the old characters. That's the funny thing. It's only when the Showa, like the Showa Ultraman show up that they use the old sound effects. Everybody else gets the newfangled stuff, but they use the old yeah. sound effects for the old characters. Yeah. It's a it, nice, a subtle nod to nostalgia, I guess you could say. Yeah, a good homage. Yeah, a good homage, for sure. For sure. So, the Space Beam had all the cool stuff, but let's talk about the... the we, we mentioned it partially. We're talking uh-huh. about Zeton. Yeah. We need to talk about the honestly very radical, I think, reinterpretation my, or reimagining, of whichever word you prefer, of the ultras in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they are not quite the benevolent people that they are in the show proper. Yeah, not at all, no. <laughs> and it I, threw me off a little bit when I saw it. Now, it makes sense in the within the confines of this movie, but if you're used to it being one way, it's kind of a... It, yeah, I remember... You might, take, you might take offense at it. I remember you had a comparison to a certain other long-running sci-fi friend. Yes, Doctor Who. And that's why I even posted that online. I I found a a screenshot of David Tennant saying, it is defended (laughs) from Doctor Who. And I said, out of context, shit, Ultraman spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's basically what this turns into. Because in the newer, well, even in the old Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. the Doctor is a rogue Time Lord. The other right. Time Lords don't like him. He's very defiant toward his people because he'll do things like like battle in the affairs of uh, you know of other races or history when he thinks it's the right thing to do. Uh-huh. But the Time Lords are so lofty and powerful that they don't consider you know they don't bother with things like that. But then later yeah. on, they started doing things that he really didn't like. Yeah. So you know, he really got defiant then. The same thing happens here. After yeah. all of the stuff with Mephilus goes down. Zafi, as you said, shows up. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting Zafi to be in this, but I probably should have, considering how closely, in a lot of ways, that this movie follows the show. Uh-huh. And so he shows up and tells Ultraman, we know what can happen with these humans. If they get yeah. the beta technology, they could become more powerful, or at the very least, they could be used as weapons. Yeah, We I can't let also- that happen. He also said something like they could evolve like us. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, because he I think he even said like we used to be like them. Yeah. Which is true. Like, if uh, you want uh, that is actually established Ultraman lore. We find out that yeah, they yeah. used to be that way, and then they they found I can't remember what it's called, the the plasma the spark. The plasma spark yeah. from Mega yeah. Monster Battle. And then by yeah. being around that, it changed their physiology over time and they became the ultras. So yeah, maybe it could be pulling from that a little bit, but they said, you know, but basically said we can't let them do that. So yeah. we're going to wipe them all out so that we can make sure that they don't get turned into weapons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ultraman says, no, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I won't let you. He's like, okay, fine. We're still going to make, Z- we're still going to send Zeton. So, cause Zeton is made by the ultras. He is their doomsday weapon. It's kind of a horrifying thought if you stop at the yeah. The ultras are so advanced that they can make a doomsday satellite weapon that's that huge and could just Yeah, I don't remember. It's a Death how. Star, but it's death it's that's what Zeton is. He's the Death Star. 
Yeah, I don't remember. They said he was going to fire a beam at the Earth. I forget how hot it was. It was like something, something, something mega Kelvins or whatever. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Whatever it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. But, the sun or something. It was yeah. like, oh, man, we're, we're screwed. Yeah, basically. So it's just it, it's, so it's just insane. It's, all, it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Now, Zoffy, at the end of the movie, softens. Yeah, when he... When Ultraman like flies into Zeton or something like you said, Zoffy's like, "I'll spare you, I guess," and or uh, I will let you. He's he, Ultraman says, "I want to become human so that the human I bonded with can live." Yeah, basically. Yeah. and he's like, "Have you really become this fond of them?" Yeah, actually, funny thing, I was kind of confused about whether or not he actually bonded with Kaminaga. Yeah, because- we'll we'll talk about that a little oh, bit, but yeah, yeah I, I do want to unpack this a little bit because, like I said, it took some adjustment for me, and like I said, it makes sense in universe that either the Ultras would feel a little bit threatened or would be concerned, but at genocide, their solution was genocide. But, yeah, it was surprising. I it just really, I, yeah. I, like I said, just let that sink in a little bit. They, uh, they, these are not the the benevolent beings that they are. Yeah, in, they're like vengeful the gods almost. Almost, almost. So, in like fact, I said, looking at this. looking at this fandom and thinking about how people might respond, I something tells me I'm amazed we haven't been seeing more of it. But that might be because only a handful of people in the community have seen the movie, mm-hmm. legal or otherwise. I yeah. just I'm really surprised no one's bringing that up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the reaction when it becomes yeah. more widespread. What did you think of it? I mean, you've had a few days to kind of process it. I thought it was an interesting creative choice. It wasn't something I was expecting, certainly. You know, I'm all for what makes the story work. If you got to make them, you know, kind of these alien villains for everything to go well, I'd say do it. I actually do like the idea that, like I said, that Ultraman is basically the Doctor. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense after defeating Kaiju and a couple of aliens and then his own people turn on him. Yeah, it is a lot like Doctor Who. All we needed was Planet M78 just to materialize. <laughs> or for or, or for <laughs> or for Ultraman to use the beta box as a TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, or the beta capsule as a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing, actually. Yeah, <laughs> the beta capsule as, as a sonic screwdriver. I want this now. Dr. Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. <There's>, Ultra. <laughs> there is that tokusatsu Dr. Who uh, fan video. Yeah, there That's, is. There is. Or What would you call that? Would it be like Dr. Ultra? Ultra Who? Uh, Doc Ultra. I Doc know. Ultra. I mean, I kind of want this now. <laughs> Yeah, any two things should cross over. Yeah, you know what? I think a, a, a Doctor Who Ultraman crossover would be weirdly appropriate now that I think about it, because a lot of people compare Ultraman to Superman, at least in the United States. But the better comparison for the British might be Doctor Who, if you stop and think mm-hmm. about it. Long running, yeah. various incarnations. They change actors and characters yeah. you know, like every, every year or so. Uh, fights monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Scares <Maybe> the children. <laughs> yeah. Wonder how the space human beam works on Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it eats Daleks. Well, until they figure out how to keep it from hurting them. 
or how the Daleks could weaponize it. Oh, oh yeah, they could do that too. Oh, oh my gosh. Who would be the Ultraman villain that the Daleks would be most likely to team up with, you think? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I guess Mephilus, or not Mephilus, Zareb would be kind of a backstabber, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. My my money says Baltan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's... Yeah, the you know, the pop uh, the most popular Ultraman villain and the most popular Doctor Who villain, Voltan and Daleks. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, although they might, the Daleks might get a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah, Voltan, Voltan's just gonna walk around going oh 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 oh, oh <laughs> yes. the whole time, and they're and the Daleks are like, "What are you saying?" Oh, oh, I like oh, them to try to imitate the laugh, like oh oh oh. oh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is this how you talk? Boltan, <laughs> <laughs> then Boltan just be like, "Screw you!" <laughs> I don't understand you either. <laughs> so yeah, so that took some adjusting. I think it works for this movie, and I am glad to see that at least Zoffy softened to him. Yeah. At the end. They're capable of compassion, yeah. They are capable. I think he understood that basically is like, okay, maybe we don't need to wipe all of them out. Maybe they need people like us to help mm-hmm. them. And yeah. it, it, gave, it started making me think of, again, of Superman. You know, whether it's Donner Superman or even Man of Steel, Jor-El basically telling both of those incarnations of Superman that humans need someone to look up to. Yeah, or to use another example, the first Transformers movie where all the most young race. If Shin Ultraman came out in 2007, <laughs> yeah. If I could get that clip, actually, it would probably work. If I could get that clip and then put that music, I may have to try this. It's on yeah. the archive, right? The archive right. on the internet, right? The place. The yes. place, yes. Yes, quite. I may have to try that and just throw that up there. It's like, if shit Ultraman came out in 2007. Yeah. For those who don't know, that's a big, that's been a little bit of a meme that's been going around in a lot of videos where I don't even know who started it, but it was, you know, if th- such and such came out in 2007 and then they played the Linkin Park song that played at the end of the first Bayformers. Yeah, I forget the name of that song, but. You know, what I've done. What I've done, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funniest one was, actually, the funniest bit was Paramount got in on this on Twitter, and they said, if Transformers came out in 2007, they just played the original clip. <laughs> Our, my friend G-Man actually retweeted, I said, well played, Paramount. <laughs> well played. Yeah, but I might have to do that. If Shin Ultraman came, spoiler warning, if Shin Ultraman came out in 2007, because it wouldn't work because the ending well okay this leads in to the thing that you wanted to talk about which i think it's a confusing element and i think another potentially divisive element in this movie yeah the way ultra hosting works in this is different Mm -hmm. whereas in the show or on all the shows really basically all the previously established ultraman lore one of two things happen in rare instances, the Ultra would just take a human form. Ultra 7, Ultraman Leo, that's what they did. They just masqueraded as human. Most of them take on a, a human host. 
But what it is is they would just literally merge with the human. They would occupy the same brain space, basically, as the human. Sometimes they could even talk to them. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And then when the need arises, they use they morph, so to speak, into the Ultraman. And then they go back to the human form. This one's a little confusing, which is one of the things that, again, it throws you in because Shinji in this is not our POV character. He's mm-hmm. almost a secondary character, even though the movie is about him. But we're with Asami. She's kind of our audience surrogate in this because as she and the other characters learn more about Ultraman, we learn it with her. Yeah. Which I think is probably the better way to do it. So because of that, we don't get the very clear origin of Ultraman until, oh, jeez. I would say at least 30 or 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah, she's his buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that was like a big thing. It's like, we are buddies, right? And, and they even said it in no, English. Buddy which is, means. Uh, we are buddies. Yeah. So, well, and then, I mean, are they bosom buddies really at the end? Because with the butt grabbing, I mean, <laughs> how many women can, how many people, real bad, especially how many women can say that they have grabbed Ultraman's butt? <laughs> that is Japan's arse. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if someone was she really grabbed Japan's up. arse right there. If someone was really brave and walked up to Ben Faruya. <laughs> <laughs> I the question is is would he appreciate it or not? I don't know. I mean Probably he depend. might be a good sport and just laugh it off, but <laughs> After this movie, there might actually be people that might try now. Oh, God. I created the monster. <laughs> no, you didn't create the monster. Shinji Aguchi made this monster. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Should I ask Ben Furuya that next year? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Furuya-san, since Shin Ultraman came out last year, have you had more people walk up to you and pinch you in the butt? <laughs> Say, you're my buddy, or have some spirit, or whatever. <laughs> Gosh. We do not encourage this, just so everyone knows. <laughs> right. It would be funny, but we don't encourage it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> But anyway, we see in this Ultraman as Shinji, but he also goes back to the Force because it, it's like the original show where Ultraman accidentally kills uh, mm-hmm. the host. Yeah, and then, But in the original show, he, he said, sorry, didn't mean to kill you. I can save your life, but I have to merge with you to do it. In this one, we see a body. Yeah, it's a little more ambiguous. It's Japanese. It's Ano. <laughs> You expect it at this point. I wasn't 100% sure what to think of that. Yeah, didn't he die like he was saving a child from the kaiju or something? And then Ultraman the explosion from when he arrived. Yeah, yeah. Because he just crashes uh, and you know, it goes about his business. By the way, there is actual monster wrestling in this. People thought it was like, oh, Shin Ultraman's just going to stand around and do nothing like Shin Godzilla. No, there's actual monster wrestling in this. And it's glorious. It, it, it is. <laughs> but... I wasn't sure what to think of that. So it does look like, I mean, I don't know. Because I thought like, okay, if like the guy died, but you took the body. So Shinji himself is dead, but you were using his body. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It almost, I don't know if he made a new body from Shinji or if it's like Ultra 7 where he saw somebody and took his form. 
difference That's being what he died. I would guess, but who knows what their original intent was. Who knows? But the thing is, is that gets even more complicated with the end, the yeah, actual ending where Zoffy says you merged with a human. I'm like, how did he merge? We saw a body. It's confusing. He says, he says, yes. And I want to save him. Mm-hmm. But that, I think he basically tells like, if you do that, then, you know, you're basically going to become human. Right. Like, yeah, but that's what I want to do. If he, if it's so, if, so I can make sure that he lives, I want to do that. And then Zoffy's mm-hmm. like, well, you, have you become so fond of these humans? You know, that sort of a thing. You know, yeah. the God is now fond of humans, you know, that sort of thing. Although he does, there is a point where he actually says like, you know, we're not gods. Whereas, right. you know, we're yeah. you know, basically we're like you in a lot of ways. We're just more advanced, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's like that one episode of Next Generation where the people on the primitive planet are put on the holodeck and then they take a tour of Picard's ship and he's like, we right. were like you once. And yeah. Yeah, basically. I, yeah. So Zoffy says, OK, if that's what you want, then that's what I'll do for you. And the last shot of the movie is a POV shot from Shinji's perspective, and he's talking with the other characters, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're alive. Yeah, they're and like, then, And back. then it just ends. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure what to make of that. I thought it was an interesting way to end the movie, yeah. Wasn't, yeah, quite sure what to make of it, but it was good. Yeah, I thought for it, sure. I, I, overall, it was a whole positive experience. It I, was, but... Do I don't you, have any So do you think, what do you think happened there? What, what can you, what's your interpretation of how this works if i were to really think about it i guess it it would either be a dan moraboshi sort of situation where he just is impersonating a human that happened to be dead so i guess maybe like a case of identity theft i kind of wonder if maybe given what i'm seeing because it does sound like he's not just simply saying, hey, Ultraman, you're just going to be human. He's actually saying, no, I want to save the human I merged with. Yeah, that complicates things. You're that right. does complicate things. Here's my personal theory. See what you think. Okay. I'm wondering if maybe what happened essentially is when Ultraman merged with him, mm-hmm. he basically created a clone of him, and that's what he merged with. Yeah, okay. So what we saw was the, we'll say the original. Mm -hmm. Or maybe what happened was, in order to to make the clone, because he knew the body was dying, you know, that's what he did to quote unquote save him by merging with him. And he made him, he basically fashioned himself a a body that looked like Shinji. Would you say the clone has his memories and mannerisms and everything? It would have to, because that's why else would he say, I want to save the human that I merged with? Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a valid interpretation. Yeah. Or, or maybe the the merging created the oh yeah the merging created the clone basically. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, he had to discard the old body because it wasn't usable, but he could make a duplicate. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. It probably makes more sense than mine, where it's just like he took the guy's identity. Yeah, which doesn't which doesn't quite make sense unless there was some sort of merging that would have happened. Yours would work if perhaps the mind of Shinji merged with Ultraman. Yeah. And that would be my guess because he knew enough about Shinji's mannerisms and such that he could masquerade as a human. Yeah. I remember Shinji was kind of sort of the antisocial one of the group, right? Right. Right. <laughs> Mostly was he was reading books throughout the movie like about different human mannerisms and things if I Yeah, not- he was learning about how they about how humans yeah. work. 
I thought that was interesting. I, I, I wish I could read as fast as him. Yeah. He just, he just like turns a page like once a second. You like read a page in a second. I'm like, good Lord, I have so many books. I could get through them so quickly if I could do that. Oh, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, you can... You can't see this, heroes of the internet, but I've got a you know shelves of books that need to be read. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't have them behind me, but they're they're around. Yeah, so that would be my guess, and I don't know if it would be divisive because it's different, or divisive because it's a little bit ambiguous, or maybe I don't that, know, I don't know if it, well, maybe not ambiguous, nebulous. Nebulous, yeah. I I'd say maybe. If I had a gripe, it would be the nebulousness. I'm not really mad about it or anything being a different interpretation. Uh, some A little more explanation would have been kind of nice, but it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, but given, again, it's Anno. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is positively clear compared to most of Anno's other work. Let's be honest. Even Shin Godzilla was more ambiguous than this. Yeah, with the ending especially. Yeah. <laughs> Although Little human Godzilla's coming out of the tail. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there could have been... I think I saw somebody somewhere who said something like, how cool would it have been if Shin Ultraman was fighting all the little clones that came off the thing? I mean, on one level, maybe, but I don't know if yeah. I really want this to be a sequel, yeah. Yeah, Other you know, that's a, good, that's a good question, too. I mean, I'm looking at my notes, and, I mean, there's some, you know, a lot of things that I wrote down as potential awards there's a lot of lines that i wrote down that i thought were funny uh, you know like i'm not even drunk why am i sleeping under plastic sheets all right <laughs> <laughs> which only makes sense in context uh, yes it does <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> you know uh, there's a lot that could be talked about there is there is there is a little bit of talk about about international relations in this like the United yeah, States says, we're just going to nuke the thing. And there's a comment about how being a dominant country must be nice. Yeah. That's about as much of the Shin Godzilla elements as we get in this, though. Actually, oh, I'm just looking for my notes here. I wrote something down. There is another thing from Monstrosities, because that's where most of these notes are. From. Okay. <laughs> Ano said that for copyright reasons, they couldn't quite connect Shin Ultraman and Shin Godzilla's universes, but they did give them both the Shin title All and right. we, we, um, the actor Yutaka Takanuchi was cast as the government man. Yes, like in- we, we should. We okay. We have to pay that off. So we, I, I saw him, and he's very recognizable. He looks like the exact same character, but they don't yeah. name him in this. And I'm like, hold on. Isn't that the Shin Godzilla guy? I know. I was like, is it? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. Well, and the title. Did you know that the title, because you know, as an homage to how when Ultraman would start, it would, it would say Ultra Q, and then it would switch to Ultraman? Yeah, it did. Yeah, they was... did the same thing here, but it, when, the, when the title came up, it said Shin Godzilla. I know. That made me happy. <laughs> Shit, Godzilla is like, Pshua! Shit, Ultraman, a special effects fantasy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, there was, I forget if I got this from Monstrosities or somewhere else, but I remember them also saying, like, no, it was an interview with Shinji Higuchi on uh, Gizmodo, I believe, where they said, or Shinji said that this if you wanted to look at it that way, it could be the Shin Godzilla universe where 
they're a little more experienced down the line in the story's timeline of dealing with kaiju, so they're more of a common occurrence now. Shin Godzilla was about the first time one of these things appeared, but then right. in Shin Ultraman, yeah. Yeah, which... So, like, there, there are little connections, but due to, like, copyright, you can't really do that much. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because Toho did distribute this movie. They didn't make it, but they distributed it. Right, right. That's why I think partly they were able to use the Shin Gomez design. Yeah, they, yeah, that's how they could get away with it. But yeah, we'll talk about that in the awards. And then I wrote down just some funny things that, you know, like some of the lines, like somebody referred to, I think it was for Gabora. They they, they called it, or was it Gabora? I think it was Gabora. They, they called the, his energy attack the nasty beam. Oh, yeah, that's right. They called it the nasty beam. They just called it nasty beam. It's like, what is that, the nasty beam? <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to deflect his nasty beam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. And let me see. Some things are only clear when you are in between. That was a, yeah. a Shinji line. When, that, that was, I like that when Asami says, I know you're Ultraman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's a little profound. I like that one. Sometimes power is necessary for defense. Let that sink yeah. in a little bit. You know, like these are all things that I wrote down as potential award winners. These didn't win. Mm-hmm. In order for Ultraman to be able to get back to our universe to do the whole Zeton thing, he had to. <laughs> he had to. Oh, that's right. He had oh, to no. basically register how Asami smelled. That's right. That's right. And oh, she even said, "Like, I'm sorry, I didn't take a shower today." And he's like, "A shower?" Because <laughs> <laughs> he needed the scent in order to have something to bring him back, something he could latch onto to get back. Right, to go through the, what was it called? The something space? Yeah, I, I forget what, I didn't write that one down. Yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy scene. Yeah. Oh, and another kind of Star Trek connection, I wrote down that that uh, the Ultras have a prime directive. They can't right. interfere in the affairs of other of lesser races or other races. Kaminaga's like, nope, I had to help them. Help them. Yeah, which, thank you, Kaminaga. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's much appreciated. I wrote down that Zaton has a peck torpedo. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> they they're nipple rockets. <laughs> that was for you, Travis. <laughs> yeah. What I have left, we can talk about it in the awards. But I think the best place to sign off. On mm-hmm. the film discussion portion, anyway, is you mentioned sequels briefly. Yes. I'm not sure if they're concrete, but I did hear that, yeah, they wanted to make a trilogy or something. Which I think might be what Shin Common Rider is going to complete next year. So Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, Shin Common Rider. Oh, yeah, but I meant like to sequels to Shin Ultraman. I, yeah, they were going to make at least one or two more Shin Ultraman movies from what I heard, and maybe even an Ultra 7 movie. A Shin Ultra 7 I could see being doable. The way this yeah. movie ends, despite the fact that there is a bit of sequel baiting because they say, hey, other aliens are going to come to mm-hmm. do the same thing that Mephilus was doing with the yeah. beta box. But yeah. that's about as much sequel baiting as they do, But because I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. Given the ambiguity of the ending, I don't know if Shinji can still become Ultraman. Yeah. I mean, also like I am satisfied with this movie. I'd say like if they didn't make sequels to it, I wouldn't be angry. Yeah. I mean, 
It's like Pacific it, it, Rim. I, do you think this or Shin Godzilla had more room with with its ending for sequels? That's a good question. I know they did want to make a sequel to Shin Godzilla, but well, it's because it made a butt ton of money. Yeah, but I think they didn't like Ano's pitch or something like that. I don't. I think it's more like the studio wants a sequel because money, but the people who made it are like, you really don't want oh, to. I just remember hearing that Ano wanted to do like a massive brawler type movie that was a lot less serious. Ah, uh, I don't know, but. Again, I think that was a monstrosities video. Yeah, yeah. But looking at this, I don't know if we could get Ultraman back. I think maybe doing a, a Shin Ultra 7 could be interesting. Yeah, I can see that working. Like he's another Ultra that comes to defend the humans because someone else is trying to muck around with the whole beta box thing. And he's like, well, Ultraman can't do it anymore. So I somebody's got to do something. Yeah. So, you know, he goes and tries. And we could bring back the the uh the human cast i think for sure but yeah at the same time i do remember reading higuchi saying that he wanted to do more original projects right right so if they did make a sequel it'd have to be somebody else but honestly much like with shin godzilla i'm not sure i want a sequel i would i like this to be its thing yeah i'm the same way i think i'm the same its own thing not everything needs to have a sequel no No, I think we have too much sequelitis these days. I would agree. And I think, because I think Shin Godzilla doesn't need a sequel. Yeah. I know some people are like, you can make sequels. I'm like, yes, I understand. And you could probably even do some interesting sequels with it. With it. But I think it robs that movie if you make a sequel. Then again, the same probably could have been said about Godzilla 54. And without those sequels, where would we be now? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's true. It would be very a different landscape. That's for sure. So I'm satisfied with it. I don't think it needs a sequel. I wouldn't be opposed to a sequel. I do think this lends itself a little bit more to a sequel than Shin Godzilla. Oh, yeah, of course. You can just do so much with Ultraman with all the different characters. I mean, I forget if he still has the Guinness World Record for most spinoff shows. I think he might. I remember I used to have a 2001 Guinness World Records, and they said he had the record. Yeah, it's possible. So I assume it's only been more since. Yeah, that might be something to research a little bit later. But yeah. with that, oh, Robert, yeah. I hope you're ready because you get to participate in the Henshin Men Awards for Shin Ultraman, quite possibly the first Toku and Kaiju podcast on this movie. <laughs> this is a big deal. To say the least. Yeah. So, first up, my friend, we have the Henshin Kick (laughs) for the best stunt or fight scene. As the guest, Robert, what did you have? Well, my favorite fight scenes, I guess since I'm a kaiju guy, I like the battles with Naranga and Gabora. You just can't go wrong with an old-fashioned beat-em-up, you know? Both of them equally, basically? Maybe Gabora a little more, just because that... Just, well, it might have been a little longer for one thing. And also just the monster was just so strange. Like he had those buzz saws on his back. Yeah. Just all those creative little things. The Ranga spent a little bit more time just establishing what the, you know, the the threat level of the Kaiju and and what the SSP can do. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, to be that first opponent for Ultraman so we can see what Ultraman can do. Yeah, Gabora was a little more of a big brawler sequence and i love those it made me think 
of Otachi and Pacific Rim a little bit. A little just bit, all, yeah, I can see that. There were just all those different elements to the kaiju, and it was just like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with you. So I, I guess that would be my main award right. for like best fight scene. All right, mine actually goes to a specific instant in there. I, mm-hmm. I also have a runner-up. I'll mention my runner-up. I seriously thought about this one, and then after I talked about it with someone else who saw the movie, I kind of thought, yeah, okay, we'll go with this one. My runner-up is, I called it the kick clash between Mephilus and Ultraman. Oh, oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah that's probably the <laughs> highlight of that fight scene. Otherwise, I felt like, compared to the previous fight scenes, like Zareb, Zareb is probably my favorite overall. But yeah, it was a fun yeah, because he's gonna like crash into buildings, and he looks weird, and he's flying. And we and when he start when it starts, it's Ultraman versus Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And then he has yeah, to break the big. illusion. Yeah, so that's like probably my favorite fight overall. But the the kick clash with Mephilus looked was visually very cool. And then they yeah, had a well, beam clash after that. <laughs> right. <laughs> because like it. it can't be Tokusatsu or anime without a beam clash, you know. Right. I thought of Godzilla versus Kong, and <laughs> yeah, all yeah. For sure. So that's my runner-up, because that was a cool move. Yeah, Very anime. But the, I'm probably going to give it to when Ultraman does a one punch <laughs> to Gabora after oh, yeah. he gets Gabora's shell to he can actually go for the head. That was great. You should yeah. have gone for the head. Actually, it's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, one punch! Yeah. <laughs> takes him out that's, that's yeah, the funny thing like a is basically unstoppable but he gets to the weak spot and it's like right there in the head and it's over mm-hmm. so nice. that was pretty cool and it was almost like you know how there's the they call it the superman punch so i guess this is the ultraman punch yeah when super just isn't enough oh my gosh that, dude do you realize how deep a cut that is <laughs> that is yeah. a really deep cut right there for those who don't know Will enlighten the heroes of the internet a little bit. When Ultraman Tiga was on Fox Saturday mornings for a hot minute, that was how they promoted it. That was one of the taglines for the show. When super isn't enough, get Ultra. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you bet shots fired. Oh my. It didn't work because... They didn't even finish dubbing the whole show. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when it was canceled. That was pretty sad. Yeah, but then they put it all out on DVD. <laughs> yeah, I need to get that still. Just oh, it'll it. cost you a pretty penny. Trust me, oh, I know. No. Ooh, my wallet hated me so much, but I had mm. to have it because didn't it was Mil the unmessed with version. Didn't Mill Creek put it out? Oh, they did, but it's tweaked. Oh. Because of Johnny's. Screw you, Johnny's. We hate you, Johnny's. <laughs> Check out that video from Vintage Henshin, and you'll understand. Gotcha. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, so that was my, uh, that was my winner. And now we have Takatoku for the best special effect. What'd you have? Like I said, I thought it was all very well done CG, which, you know, in some instances felt like suitmation. I think I've seen, like, GIFs or videos of, like, people doing motion capture with, like, facsimile suits made. You know, I liked how they imitated the old effects in the show, like, you know, using the flying scenes that look like actual miniature Ultramen, like in the original show. Where yeah, fly. yeah. Even I, I appreciated the fact that the special effects, even though they're using CGI, they intentionally make it look like the old effects. I know. I love that. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, especially at the end when he's flying away from that 
explosion or whatever. He's like just a little guy. It looks like he's being dangled on a string. A string. I love. Yeah. It. Yeah. So it's just uh, kind of funny, you know, the intentionally kind of working in the quote unquote imperfections of the practical effects of the CGI. Yeah. You could tell these the people making this movie are such fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> well, not even just fanboys, just, just fans. You know, yeah. They really yeah. love the old school effects. Yeah, yeah, it was almost hard to choose what my favorite effect yeah. was. But yeah, no, I, it was hard for me to choose as well, but just so we can have an excuse to talk about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shin Gomez. That was uh. my winner. <laughs> I just <laughs> think it's so brilliant, especially yeah. if you're in the know. Because Gomez was the one of the first Ultra Kaiju. He was in the first episode of Ultra Q. And he mm -hmm. showed up in Ultraman a few times. I know because I wrote about <laughs> about him for Kaiju Ramen. Mm -hmm. And they made him by... Because the, you know, Tsuburaya was pr practical and running on limited resources. So they just took a Godzilla suit. And they just redressed it a little bit. Put some extra pieces and a horn and things like, on it. And... So Godzilla became Gomez. Yeah. And then they did it again later with Jaross. So specifically, wasn't it like the body of the 65 Godzilla suit with the head of the 64? Like the uh, monsters? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. I know it was at least the 64 head and yeah. they made it look million. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they did the same thing here, but with the Shin Godzilla cgi model they just took the same yeah. thing it's the exact same one and they just dressed it up with all the same things that they put onto gomez just in a you know shin variety and yeah. it was yeah. it was wonderful we even had a shot that is basically replicated from shin godzilla yeah now obviously shin gomez is nowhere near as durable because he's on the screen for about 10 seconds and then we find out in the after that it's like and they killed him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no sign of litra though yeah yeah no no did we have litra did we have litra we had a flying monster yeah i saw a bird yeah was it litra maybe it was litra <laughs> i now i you know what uh, i've was, got the was, uh, i've got oh, shit i've got the shit ultra i've got the the entry on the ultra wiki for shit ultraman pulled up i'll just yeah, look i've got the name written here it's like largius or something Larugius. Uh, yeah, Larugius, yeah. Yeah, those are, yeah. So Gomez, Mammoth Flower, Fagila, Larugius, Kaijel, and Pagos were the yeah. Ultra Q monsters that make cameos. Yeah, Larugius from the episode I saw a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ultra Q is wonderfully weird. <laughs> it is the best. When I went to Japan with Dan DeCisha and Godzilla, there was this guy on our tour who compared Ultra Q to jazz. You just turn it on and it starts riffing. Yeah, that, that's actually a good way to put it. But yeah, so I really appreciated the brilliant reference with Shin Gomez and Shin Godzilla. That's just great. That's Again, continuing some of those subtle connections between the films. Yeah, it got spoiled for me on Twitter before yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's a spoil for everybody. It's not even a secret anymore. But I was just like, they did it. They really finally they did really it. They really did it. Yeah, they <laughs> really did it. Now I want a, sh a Shin Jaros. I've seen fan art oh, like that, but can yeah, you imagine what I, Shin Jaros would be like? That'd be something. I would I would pay for that, yeah. Oh, I would too. I would definitely pay for that. Yeah, you bet Jaros I would. Oh. Eh? I think eh? 
That's good. I love it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe I should just find an excuse to use this button. And that's just a few seconds of it. It goes on forever, people. Yeah, I was going to say you could just play the whole thing. <laughs> what kind seconds. of a monster do you think I am? Don't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, we have coming at you for the best line. What'd you have? I had all the times Mephilus would quote an old saying and then follow it with the line, one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> or sometimes he would say, that's one of my least favorite sayings. I think that was when he said, like, Ultraman took the matter into his own hands. Or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I tried to actually find where he said, like, that's one of my least favorite. But I just remember going like, <laughs> yeah. And he always snaps good. his fingers whenever. He yeah. Oh, it, well, this will be part of my next award. So we'll talk about it there. Mm-hmm. But uh, mine went to. <laughs> I was just I was not expecting it. It finally happened in Ultraman, people. Mm-hmm. It finally happened. And they even bleeped it in the subtitles. They lose power. The SSSP loses power. And I think it's a Sami that just flips out over it. And she says, I want to bleep them. And it's actually, there's an audible bleep. And then the subtitles are bleeped too. Like you don't think, actually see the word. Was and it then, a Sami or was it that lady with the glasses? That oh, maybe yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I think it was her. And then some, one of the guys on the team just responds in English, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. And I'm like, we just did that. We just did that on freaking Ultraman. We just got a dragon dagger. If you to, to go back to the power trip, we just we just got that was literally how it went. So I was like, I want to them. I because <laughs> it would probably be the the color timer, you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the color timer. Yeah, for uh, for Ultraman. I'm just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. They did it. There is now an F-bomb officially censored, but there is now officially an F-bomb in Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> not for the kiddies. Not for the kids. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That almost that was- went to the next award, but I'm like, you know what? I'll put it in my favorite line right there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, Robert, we come to quite possibly my favorite award, WTH, what the head shit for the craziest moment. And looking at the notes, I think we have the same one. Yes, we did. Yes, we do. <laughs> Giant Asami. Exactly. Yeah, I did not see that. <laughs> like I said before, attack of the 50 meter woman. Because she's mm-hmm. more than 50 feet. <laughs> I was I was not prepared for that. When that happened, I think I, I seriously like I audibly said like what the frick? <laughs> <laughs> so Asami gets too close to the beta box and mm-hmm. she grows as big as Ultraman and starts stomping around the city and Zerub said was it Zerub or Mephilus? I'm trying to remember. Ms. Mephilus basically <laughs> like, hey, I can make her do whatever I want. Yeah, she, like, uh, she's about to crush another building with her high heels. Yeah. <laughs> and the same friend of mine who saw it, who was complaining about the butt grabbing, also complained about the quote-unquote upskirt shots. Yeah, I'm like, it wasn't like... I was like, I don't... I didn't take it as perverted. And even when you were kind of getting those low-angle shots at her, it's because it's there, you know, it's the camera's on the ground. 
Yeah, you're not really much. seeing anything. I'm just going to no, let you're you not. know. No, you're, not. you're not really seeing anything. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure someone's going to fetishize it because everything gets fetishized on the internet. Yeah, it's the internet. What yeah, it's do? the internet. Someone's going to turn it into a fetish thing. But Ooh, I thought it was pre- handled pretty tastefully here. Like her clothes grow big too, so they don't do any of that weirdness. And when she shrinks down with the, you know, it's like, how am I sleeping in a, under a tarp? I'm not even drunk. That <laughs> the clothes shrink with her. They even say like the clothes will grow with, uh, grow and shrink with her. So thank God we didn't have to worry about that. Was it was kind of a callback to the original episode with Mephilus, right? With giant Fuji, if I'm not mistaken. I oh yeah, there was a. No, I thought that was an Ultra Q episode. Or maybe, no, there was like that, something like that. There too. was another Ultra Q episode with shrinking and growing giant, but it was like the same actress, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they shrunk her and put her in a miniature city. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, something that they've done before. I just was not expecting it here. But in the episode with Mephilus and the original Ultraman, he did use giant Fuji as some sort of, I forget if he actually made her giant or if it was some kind of illusion, but they did do that. Right. Well, here it was definitely her. And then what's yeah. funny is we're talking about it's like that someone's going to fetishize it. Well, it happened in universe too because she found, she found out that her as a giant became this social media sensation. She's like all over TikTok and things. It's like, right. I hate it. No. All those perverts on the internet. <laughs> Look what uh, they're doing yeah. to me. And Mephilus says, I'll make you a deal. I'll make it all go away. Credit to Mephilus, yeah. He at least Well, he, he was doing it to get what he wanted though. Right. It's basically but, a deal with the devil's like, I'll make it all go away if you do what I want. That's true. You're right. <laughs> and he does. He just she says, Yes, he just snaps his finger and all of the TikTok videos get deleted. And then she yeah. was very happy and then kind of regretted it later. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it has some plot significance, I would say too. It's not yeah. just but it's also a weirdly shocking moment because you don't expect giant asami. <laughs> No, of all the things to call back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That so that one was yeah, that was a little nutty. I was not mm-hmm. prepared. Was definitely not prepared. And now, Robert, we need to hurry because we only have a minute to hen shit it. This is one of those times where that sound effect is immensely appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts in one minute or less. As the guest, I will let you go first. On your mark, get set, go. I thought Shin Ultraman was just another masterpiece from Ryder Ono and director Higuchi. With Evangelion, Shin Godzilla, and now this, those men can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. I sincerely hope that this isn't too long of a wait to get a wide theatrical and video release in the United States. Come on, Subaraya, I want this for my collection. Take my money. Oh, are you done? Yeah, that's kind of all I... Oh, 25 seconds, man. It's like having Travis back on. Look at you. (laughs) Look at you, sir. (laughs) Look at you. All right. So let me take my turn on my mark. Get set. Go. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Robert. I want this in my collection so bad. I want more people to see this. I called this episode Ultra Mandatory. It's also the title of my review for Kaiju Ramen for a reason. More people in the community need to see this. Now, as we pointed out, there might be some things that might be divisive because I know how this fandom is. They're going to latch on the things to complain about. I'm, I, I'm waiting. 
This is my prediction right now, Robert. I am waiting for the Shin Ultraman is nationalist propaganda talk, just like with Shin Godzilla. Oh, no. They'll do it. They'll find a way to make it nationalist propaganda. I guarantee you. But this, this was definitely worth the drive. It was worth the trip. If you get a chance to see it, I can't recommend it enough. You owe it to yourself. Go see this movie. Do it for Ultraman. <laughs> I do anything for you, Ultraman. <laughs> He's Ultra, man. <laughs> I just keep him coming. Just keep him coming. <laughs> All right. With that, thank you for listening to Henshin Men, a Tokusatsu appreciation podcast, because even if it's CGI, it's still Tokusatsu. Fight me. You can find links to all our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of Travis on the backlog of the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of me on the Monster Island Film Vault and on our sister podcast in the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network, The Power Trip. And where can the peoples find you, Robert? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Montserrat Robert and also on Instagram at... Robert underscore Montserrat, where I post my art in both places. And I also post, you know, just my thoughts and cool stuff like that. All right. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And starting next week, we're getting back to our Common Writer 1971 coverage with special guest, Blue Nova, and our old friend Travis might be making another appearance sooner Ooh. rather than later. I'll talk to him about it. But until next time, Robert, what are we going to say? Ultraman will return in Henshin City 2. This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.